and welcome once again to the Dice Are Screaming. Oh, oh, oh boy. It's with Randy and Mike. Yeah, brackets you for another round of fun and games and talking about general geekery. Um, it's a Friday edition, so we got a couple things to take care of. Paying the bills, shout outs to Eric Tenkar. Thanks for giving us a good mention and Glenn Hellstrom. Old Man Grognard for giving us a shout-out as well, as well as Tim Shorts, Gothridge Manor, and Larry Hamilton, Follow Me and Die, and Playing It Wrong, Chuck Thorin. Still love that name. Yeah. Thank you guys for all the support and shout-outs and shout-backs. We'll be doing that as we keep this going right along. So we have a call-in. Call-in, call-in, call-in time. It's a call-in from Colin from Spike Pit. Oh boy, let's get right to it. Right on. Hi guys, Colin Spiper here. Don't know how you managed to get 16 episodes out without me noticing, but I'm downloading them now and I'll be catching up later on today. And thanks, Colin. Yeah, we're pretty good at hiding. Oh yeah, man, I've got several levels of rogue under my belt at this point, so uh, I, I am the, the gamer ninja. Uh, you know, next thing you know, we're hiding in your fridge, right yep. behind the milk, waiting to stab you in the back. <laughs> so thanks for that uh, compliment. Hope you enjoy the episodes. Uh, hope you don't get uh, too bored listening to us. We tend to ramble on. <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate it, Colin. Colin from Spike Pit is always a treat. So. Oh, and I'd like to apologize to everybody for my temporary invisibility online. I had a computer crash, so... We're working on it. Uh, I'll have it up and running soon enough, and I'll be, you know, haunting the usual places uh, very, very soon. I hope to have it back up and running by the end of the week. Yeah. So, yeah, just be patient with uh, Mike, but uh, we'll get back to how you can get a hold of us. Uh, I'm still uh, doing the rounds. But uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, what's going around right now. The Wizards of the Coast just released a survey. And a lot of people have uh, covered this, so we're going to take a stab at it. Yeah, why not? Oh. Uh, I mean, you know, in keeping with my roguely theme, let's shank the crap out of this. Yeah. Uh, I have sharpened the knives. So, and good you do, because this uh, survey is really meaty. It's like in four sections and takes you about 25 minutes to get all the way through. And obviously we're not going to go through each question, uh, because you can do that on your own and obviously have some... Give your own opinions on what is and is not, and of course, uh, important to you. But we're not the people to decide that for you. You are, of course, your own arbiters on that. But uh, there's a lot of stuff that they ask, and uh, they go through and they start off by asking, you know, what's your favorite sesh, uh, campaign setting, like Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, and all that. And uh, that's important, I think, because Forgotten Realms uh, is an old beloved standard. It's been around a real long time and is pretty well written, but it's been covered in many, many ways. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a high point for me because uh, while I cut my teeth on, you know, basic and expert and then graduated into uh, first edition AD&D uh, and Greyhawk was pretty much the baseline standard, uh, it was when I got my hands on the first materials for Forgotten Realms that I got a look at what Ed Greenwood had done, uh, and it differed somewhat uh, in perspective from the Greyhawk material. 
uh, while the Greyhawk material gave you the uh, much broader components, I mean, size of a country, uh, you know, the leaders, you relatively know, uh, the resource values of certain places. Yeah, you know, strong imports and exports, uh, you know, their, their religious leanings. It gave you a picture of these nations and a loose sense of who was competing with whom. Um, now, much the same was present to some degree in Forgotten Realms, but that setting had a lot more monofocus on adventure potential locally in every single place, and rather than simply filling in all the blanks, it simply left these whispers and rumors, these little tiny plot hooks uh, that had been preset for you, and then it was up to you to fill in the blanks. And I, for me, that was like almost a religious conversion moment. Just, oh, and a holy light shone down and pierced my skull, and I went, Oh my god, this is what I want to do. I want to fill in all the blanks myself. Uh, there's yeah. a beholder in that forest? Oh, I'm going to totally write that up. Uh, yeah, it was great fun. So, you know, I mean, it's a good question for them. Yeah, and to touch back on that a little bit, uh, also, like, Greyhawk painted with a very broad brush, and a lot of people liked that, but there wasn't a lot of meat on the bone when they were done with it, to use uh, a certain amount of allegory. But Forgotten Realms uh, did get a little overdone towards the end of the uh, second edition run. They pretty much tried oh, to play yeah. out everything. And, of course, you know, certain characters came to the fore, like Elminster grew from just the uh, adventure hook into his own kind of... He took his own kind of inertia in the campaign. Like, when Elminster showed up, well, you know big things were afoot. Obviously, that was going to happen, just like when Gandalf walks into the Shire, you know, think big things are going to happen. But Elminster was not meant to be, I don't think, a the end-all and be-all of things. And no. he was there to help you get things done. And uh, whether he showed up or not was inconsequential. Also, Drizzt and other things kind of started to overshadow uh, what the Forgotten Realms was for. It was a place to adventure. And uh, I think that is the most important thing. But other things like Dark Sun were mentioned. Uh, Mistara, yeah. the known world from the old basic. Um... And, you know... Dragonlance. Yeah. Uh, Dragonlance, though, they, they didn't ask much about that one. No. Yeah. Um, but, again, all these campaign worlds were formulative in a lot of the early experiences of D&D. And I don't think that uh, we would be remiss if we didn't say something about Dragonlance outside of that. Because I think the game would have been a little bit lesser if we didn't have Dragonlance. And they really opened up the, the floodgates and really put it... Uh, Divergent D&D campaign with Draconians and uh, putting Tachesis. Yeah, there was a lot of custom work that came right out of the novels that was included in it. And more interesting was that among the early releases uh, in, you know, latter first edition, uh, pre-second edition era, uh, right in that zone, it was one of the first times they worked with a major plot arc, you know, a, a story that moved in plot arcs uh, rather than just random events, you know, like we're going into a dungeon and we're punching stuff in the nose. Um, now, modules had been strung together thematically prior to that, uh, absolutely. However, uh, it was probably the most plot-driven material available at that time, and now that, that eventually has become a curve uh, that 
is more normative in gaming now. Yeah. Uh, so it, it it's kind of like looking at the protean beginnings of plot-driven story. Yeah, like Adventure Paths that you see uh, a lot uh, of these days. Yeah. And, you know, nothing wrong with those because they are fun. They provide you a lot of um, playtime and uh, material to work with. But, you know, some, they can be also a little restrictive. But um, any... I liked uh, Sinister Secret Assault Marsh and uh, the surrounding two modules yep. that came after that. You know, also, those were, you know, that was, there was yep. an overwhelming arc that ran through all three modules. The so. Slave Lord series and, uh, of course, Against the Giants, which... Oh, uh, classics. Yeah, See? but they all had, uh, we had, there were story arcs before, so, but I think Dragonlance put it together in a, in a way that hadn't been approached from beginning to end. Well, and yeah, they were a little hamstrung by trying to stay true to the books while respecting the fact that it's an RPG and people play differently than they're yeah, supposed the books, to. Yeah, the books, yeah. You know, nobody does what they're told to. Uh. Yeah, so there were some lessons to be learned from that. But then, uh, getting back to the main topic at hand yeah. here, uh, they go and talk about your favorite classes and races. And I think that's important to note. That while everybody has their different preferences, I think that uh, we all get put into our comfort zones and not I say shouldn't say uh, put but we place ourselves there and you know I find that they let you choose three classes and races and you know whatever that is it tends to be pretty much uniform to what a lot of people understand as classic fantasy I mean they put things like Aroka and Typhlings and Asmiar that are kind of new to the game and I say new even though they've been around for quite a while yeah, I mean, even if it's been around for 15 years, it's still new to us, uh, you know, 35 years in. Uh, so, you know, at this point, we're like, well, you know, we've seen a whole lot of new come and go, so it, it's not really that traumatizing. to No. But I think it's important that when you, if you do take the survey, and I implore you to do, because get your voice out there, even if in the 5th edition or whatever, D&D isn't your cup of tea, Get out there and get your voice heard because definitely they're looking. They're casting a net very wide on this one. They're just not aiming just for the old moldy grognards or the youngins. They're going for people who just may be coming for the first time to Dungeons & Dragons as a game. Yeah, and these questions now, you know, like, uh, uh, borrowing me. Uh, Mike rolls out his favorite stock phrase. Time to open the kimono. Oh, not again. Come on. Yeah, I know. It seems like every week the kimono is open, Mike. Uh, Jesus. Will you just put the thing on and leave it that way? Oh, it, it needs a tighter belt. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, a little background. I have a moderate knowledge of marketing, uh, sales, broadcast, uh, you know, psychology of advertising, stuff like that. Uh, not that I ever used it for anything. It really only just filled me with simmering resentment for all things advertising-related. Uh, and I still look at these things through the, the lens of a person who is trained to be the guy making them uh, and then decided not to. Uh, and what I see I like here, okay, because it indicates to me, after having looked at the survey that they managed to get the perfect fusion of somebody who knows their their marketing survey research uh you know quantitative analysis and they actually have somebody who knows their gaming because uh, the the thing you run into too often is that you get an outside party to slap this thing together for you and they know nothing about the niche market you're working with 
So you get this uh, really clumsy take that asks all the wrong questions. Now, I would take issue with it if it was asking all the wrong questions. This one is not. This, mm -hmm. this survey uh, is clearly done by somebody who knows a goodly measure about gaming. Uh, that team really put it, to, I'm assuming it was a team. Uh, these are not usually done alone in a basement. Um, well, you know. <laughs> uh, but they really knew their questions. Uh, and Randy's right. They cast the net incredibly wide. They, they have a... Yeah, they ask you if you even play D&D. And it, do you uh, play D&D just as to express yourself through art, through crafting, cosplay? They ask those questions, too. Or do you actually watch just streams? Do you play D&D games? Yeah, they even there's... asked if you had played the gold box sets, like the old Pool of Radiance <laughs> and uh, Azure Blades. Yeah, and that is not stuff for the newbies. So okay? Azure Bonds, you know, I'm not, sorry. Yeah, Azure Bonds. You're not going to see that stuff uh, referenced by your uh, typical um, post-millennials uh, generation now. Uh, that's stuff that, you know... Only the only the grog nerdiest among us oh, yeah. all those that gilded age of you know, There was an age undreamt of <laughs> played on crappy personal computers that took two minutes to boot up and inserted several floppy disks. Well, with a dial tone that was like being knifed in the ear with uh, a blender at just wow, you know. <laughs> Uh, nice, nice. Yeah, 45 minutes later, uh, you finally are online. Um, <laughs> but they really put this together well. So I'm on the bandwagon. I'm going to say, you know, get out there, find the WOTC uh, survey that just came out, and, you know, throw your two cents in. Because I honestly, and this is, this is personal speculation, I'm assuming... And I mean, you know, we both know what happens when you assume. Make an ass yeah, out of you and me. So I, I could be completely wrong on this. I, I, I leave the door open for that. But I think uh, that they're looking where to go next with their 5th edition material. And they really want to present material that people want to play. Uh, and I happen to respect and appreciate that. So uh, I'm on board. And Yeah, they ask things like, uh, no, do you like note-taking? Do you like to take notes? No. <laughs> I think everybody should take notes. I think Eric Tenkar said it best on his uh, take on it, that everybody should be taking notes. But if you're playing a magic user, obviously you're not going to care two wits about that girdle of uh, frost giant strength. But you are going to be worried about that staff that has several runes on it. You know, you're obviously certain <laughs> players are going to focus on different things. Uh, they even had one, do you like disrupting play? <laughs> you know, and it's like, a, well... But they also ask things like, do you like uh, spending time with your family and friends and yeah, part of your gaming experience? And I think that's a big thing, too, is that as, especially as we get older, and let's face it, none of us are getting any younger. Um, we have families, we have uh, commitments. We're all on a magical journey, and it's all going down one road with one destination. So you'd better have fun and good company. Yeah. Yeah, memento mori. Um, but, you know, D&D is about creativity and sharing. And I think that they hit those notes really well. I like to see that. That, You know, you write a homebrew campaign, it gives you a satisfaction that is above anything that you can buy. Even though I've spent a lot of time uh, 
playing pre-made, pre-written materials. I still like to write my own stuff because the thrill you get from that is none other than just when everybody sits around and I want you to use your allegory, Mike, that you told me a long time ago about um, how DMing is. <laughs> Only Mike can do this. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, you know, putting on the DM's hat is a great deal like being a drag queen. Okay? Okay, bear uh, with him on this. Stay with yeah, us. I, well, <laughs> I, I'm... I'm taking you out of the Shire and all the way to Mordor, but don't worry, I will, I will get you from Mordor back to the Shire, okay? Uh, you, you, you gotta stay with me for the whole journey. Uh, it is like being a drag queen because it is very much about showmanship and it is very much about the limelight. It is a passion for being out in front of people and really strutting your stuff. And you get out there and you give it your best shot and maybe you're not going to be a superstar, but that's not why you're doing it. It's nice to hear the applause, to see the smiles, to hear the laughter right there in your own hometown. And it's a thing that gaming brings to life uh, just as much as somebody doing drag at their local bar. Uh, it, is, it is a hoot and a holler and a good time. Thank you. Yes, and that's Mike Hannah, ladies and gentlemen. Um, his allegory is one that sticks with me, not just because of the shock value of having a drag queen. And you did bring us back to the shark, so thank you. And we did go to Mordor. But uh, I've got the t-shirt to prove it. Anyway, it is, it, DMing is not about a payoff. It's not about monetary rewards. There are things that are viable that you get from it. You get some acclaim and some kudos. But you really live for the moment when people walk away and they're like, I really had fun playing in your personal space of adventure fantasy. Yeah. And that's what it's about. And for me, that is the most important thing about that. And I gave that a big one. But, you know, they also ask, like, if playing, do you, what's your motivation for playing? Do you like to have fun for other, with others? And it's like, of course you do. But, you know, they asked about, do you have... Is it more important for you to have more fun for other people? And while you're sitting at a table as a player, you really don't have control over what other people's fun is. That's more of the DM's purview. You know, uh, the DM is kind of responsible. And not everybody's going to have the same level of enjoyment. You know, the fighter rolls a crit, cuts off uh, the York leader's head in one swipe, and he's like, yeah, that just... That's what I live for. That's that's the stuff right there. Or the magic user rolls all sixes on his fireball damage and incinerates <laughs> half the orc tribe. He's like, yeah, that's what I live for. The I dropped sits... the rope on that cavern. <laughs> and the rest of the party's like, oh boy, now what do we fight? <laughs> like, nothing. We pick up the treasure. It's melted together. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Curse you, item-saving throws! Mm. Yeah, and we're both DMs who have actually done that. Uh, you know, like, that that was a dangerous monster in that room. What are you going to do? I fire a fireball in there. Uh, well, that, like, rather meager protection offered by wood uh, means that the chest behind the monster is completely annihilated. The potion is shattered. The, uh, you know, uh, the magical rod has been burnt to a crisp. And the gold is fused in a big, messy lump. Which, hey, you can take the ingot into town and get some resale value on it, though. 
Yeah, you can, but you know, that's yeah glass half empty, glass half full kind of guys yeah. that we are. That's a, that's a jerk DM mode there. Uh, but yeah, um, <laughs> so you know, they, they asked some questions. They, yeah, they popped in on uh, the different editions that you have played, uh, which gives you a picture of, you know, like how long a person has been gaming or mm -hmm. what their core experiences were, and that also helps them grasp what it is that you're looking for in a game. You know, what, what are you used to? What do you like? Uh, you know, do people enjoy exploration of settings or do they enjoy high action? Uh, is the thing that really trips their trigger the uh, regular level ups, uh, you know, or the, the sheer volume of power that their character requires? Uh, or open-ended freedom of campaign? I mean, there's a lot of great yeah. questions here. Yeah, they, they really ask the right questions that has been needed to be asked. Uh, honestly, Randy brought up a good point earlier, just before we sat down and hit the record button here. Uh, there was, you know, talk of maybe people should use this to examine your own gaming habits. Uh, you know, like, not just to fill it out and send it to Wizards of the Coast, but make use of it at your game table. Find out, you know, what do people like? What, yeah. what trips their trigger? What's the thing that makes them so happy when they hit the game table that it makes their day? And you're probably going to get six different answers from six different players, but... You know, it'll give you as a DM a window into you know what is it you should be bringing to the table to offer. Right, and that's where we were going with this is that we wanted to you say that this is an exercise to examine your not only just yourself, you know, because we come into the gaming sphere, especially as older folks, with our notions and expectations kind of set in stone. It's not because we're inflexible, but it's because we've come to be in these comfortable positions. We've yeah, reached we out what it is we don't like and what it is we do like. And the things that we do like, we tend to stand on pretty firmly. Yeah, we know what we like. Uh, and, you know, it, it, at least in my case, it's less about uh, knowing what I dislike than it is about knowing exactly what I love most. Uh, and uh, I'm personally in the open-ended campaign freedom uh, exploration zone. Uh, a modicum of action is required, but uh, I also like things to be shaken up. I like mystery, uh, you know, an occasional horror check. Uh, I like that shuffle on the old CD player of gaming, mm -hmm. you know, uh, where yeah. you don't know what's coming next. And I like that big question mark hanging over me uh, when I'm playing. Like, uh-oh, what's going to happen and here? Yeah. And it doesn't have to end in combat, but... Uh, I'm okay either way. Right. Uh, so and, I'm a little more, you know, flexible than, than some, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, you're right. They're, the comfort zone sets in. There are just certain core key things we really love and expect. Uh, and I appreciate that the time is being taken to ask what those are. Yeah. And, you know, there's also some people have question like, why do they put, you know, why are you... Art is crafting and cosplay on there. And it's like, well, my wife likes to make things from her crocheting and sewing for Dungeons & Dragons type of related stuff. She sells dice bags and all that stuff. Yeah, like literally half my table cosplays. Uh, I'm a little on in years for that. Uh, you know, it's a thing that <clears throat> became popular with an age group about 20 years younger than mine. Uh, but they're all hip to that stuff. Uh, and 
That's what the cool kids yet, are doing. Yet, there they are at the game table doing an RPG game, too. Yep. You know, these are not separate, disparate elements. These are not, uh, you know, like alien trends that don't exist. They coexist with gaming uh, to some degree. Uh, and again, you know, that, that survey smartly included a lot of other hobbies that people see at conventions and at game events and shows. Oh, yeah, and there's a lot of overlap in cosplay between comics, popular culture, video games, and other type of media. That all blends together in this kind of melange. Did I say it right? Yeah, yeah. I said melange, right? The spice kind of melange. melange. Oh, okay. No, in this melange. The spice must flow. Of geekery. That is really a gaming melting pot where all sorts of people can come together and enjoy just Dungeons and Dragons or whatever role-playing game you have. Is it a melange or a frangipani? I'm not really sure. <laughs> I would go. Nobody is. <laughs> Only the French know, and we're, they're not talking. So, well, thank goodness. Uh, it was a language more suitable for being muttered around. Uh, wait, censored. Uh, 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 let's just censored, muttered around. A plea. Things should not be spoken of. Just pretend that didn't happen, okay, folks? Uh, this is not a kids' show, but uh, there are some things that. Uh, but I almost had to hit the seven-second button. Uh, yeah. Well. Dodge that one. So, I think on that note, I think we've covered the topic. So, get out there and take that survey. Get out there and enjoy it. If there's one thing that we recommend highly, do it. Get your voice heard. That's most important. And at the very least, hijack it and use it for yep. your own purposes at your table. Make use of it because right it's on. it's a damn fine example of a survey. And I don't say that often because I hate the whole damn industry. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but get out there, you know, like Mike says, is you can get six different answers from six different people. But at least you can get a gauge of what people like and what they don't like. And, you know, you're not going to make everybody happy, but at the same time, knowing what you're dealing with and what the expectations are, that's a big key to making your game a lot better. Yeah, if you've got a few people that are super hard to please, uh, don't let that intimidate you. Uh, you can at least make sure that you engage them, uh, you know, and and pull them into the enjoyment zone, even if they're not, like, ecstatic. Uh, you can certainly broaden the range of some material that you've got available to your players uh, by knowing in advance what kind of stuff really kicks them into high gear. Right on. Uh, so, yeah, make use of it. It's terrific. Uh, I'm on the bandwagon. i got to look the thing like... Look it you up never myself. get on a bandwagon. After, they usually I, throw you off. Well, and with good reason. Uh, yeah, remember what I said about, uh, you know, <laughs> everything I needed to know about life I hey. learned from the monkey house at the zoo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going in a different direction. But all right, we'll leave you with the uh, premise that uh, DMing is like being a drag queen. And uh, you work with that, <laughs> let us know what you think. And also, uh, it's Friday, so we hope you have some gaming lined up for the weekend. And if you don't, well, you know, hopefully uh, whenever you do, the next time you have a lot of fun. And uh, may the dice always, always roll, roll in, in your, your favor. favor. We're out. See ya.